Yes, uh, theological education is near and dear to my heart. It was a while ago that I was in seminary and received my Master of Divinity, but I actually didn't have enough, and so a few years ago I went back and started working on my Master on my doctorate ministry. Uh, remember when I started telling our kids I was studying for a demon? My son's like a demon. Like, what's the deal with that, right? Uh, go from divinity to demon. I think I'm going downhill. But uh, anyway, last May I finally finished my my doctorate, and uh, besides that. My work with CBM has uh, been focused on church leadership development, and so helping people who are um, leading God's people be well-trained and, and learn and grow together. So uh, just a short while here with you this morning, so I was kind of wrestling with what do I want to share during this time, and I thought, well, I'll start off sharing you a, a, a glimpse into CBM's heart and what they are about, what it is that they base their ministry on, and then share with you our ministry and what it is that we are specifically doing, and then how that ties in with what CBM is about. So it's kind of a bit of a circle that will be going on. So, yes, so we're Daryl and Laura Lee Buston, and I'll get Laura Lee to stand up. I know it's not a big room, but... <laughs> now, if we were in Rwanda, she would be required to say, Hallelujah! And everybody else would respond with a resounding, Amen! Amen, yeah, you thought I was going to say hallelujah, didn't you? Uh, but, uh, and the louder you can do it, the better. So it's, uh, so anyway, but she doesn't have to do the hallelujah this morning. Uh, yes, so we're serving in Rwanda, Africa. It's a very small country, right in the middle of the continent. Uh, to give you a sense of how small it is, it is a third the size of New Brunswick. The whole country, a third the size of New Brunswick, with 12 million people. So, it's small, but it's cozy. Uh, that would be the equivalent of taking the population of Canada and squeezing it into New Brunswick. That would be what the population density would be like. So uh, that's where we have been serving now for five years. And uh, I wanted to mention my friend Gato Munyamasoko. He was, he's the head of the Association of Rwandan Baptist Churches, who we are partnered with in Rwanda. And in 2016, he graduated from Acadia with his doctor of ministry. Uh, so I know that he would want me to send his greetings to you this morning, and uh, he has spawned memories of his time, brief time, here in Canada. So, uh, just uh, greetings from him. So, yes, yeah, so Canada, uh, so uh, CDM work with the AEBR in Rwanda, and that's who we partner with in all of our work that is going on there. I thought I would just give you a, a sense of one of the foundational pieces of CBM's philosophy of ministry. What, what they, how they understand God's call upon our lives as his followers. And to do that, I want us to look just briefly at the logo of CBM. And you'll see it has those eight squares that go around the outside. And each square is two different colors. Each square is two different colors, blue and the green. And those represent word and deed. Word as in the things that we say or preach, and deed, the things that we do. Word as in God's word, the spiritual side of life, and deed as in the way that we treat other people, helping them with other kinds of needs, physical and emotional and relational, those kind of needs. And that word and deed go together. The phrase that is used to describe this understanding of ministry is integral mission. Now, integral mission is not actually a phrase that you find in scripture, but you actually do find the idea, the concept, uh, in all of its pages. But maybe to help us understand integral mission and what exactly we're meaning, we could maybe picture a bird that is flying, you know, soaring on the wind currents effortlessly. And, uh, how many times have I looked at a bird and just like, oh, it's amazing, it's crazy how easily they do that. Uh, it, it's without thinking, they just do it so naturally. But uh, the question would arise, what would happen if that 
Is that bird going to fly slower than the other birds? No. Is it only going to be able to fly in circles? No. That bird is not going to fly at all. It is not going to get off the ground. That bird needs to have both wings in order for it to fulfill God's design for it. That is to be able to fly. It has to have both wings. They have to be working together in order for it to get off the ground. And that's a good analogy of the mission that God has called us to. As we open up the pages of Scripture, we discover that our mission that God has given us has two wings that work together. Um, those two wings would be spiritual development, helping people with their spiritual needs, helping them with their relationship with God through evangelism, through discipleship. Uh, but the other way is community development, helping people with the needs that they have, be they physical or, or intellectual or justice needs or relationship needs, whatever they are. And those two wings work together. They blend together. They depend on one another in order for us to be able to fulfill the design that God has given to us as his, children, as his followers. Now, there's many verses in the Bible that we can look at that reflect this understanding of mission, but given our short period of time, we're going to look at two verses. One from the Old Testament. What is it that God requires of us? It was very plainly stated in Micah 6.8. He says, Act justly, love mercy, Okay? That's the way that we treat other people. That is helping make sure that justice is given to people, that mercy is shown to people, helping them with their needs. But the other part is to walk humbly with your God. That it is incomplete by itself, it needs the other wing. Our relationship with God matters. And that we want to be helping people with that relationship. That is what God is requiring of us. Okay? The two wings. What about in the New Testament? Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? So he said, without hesitation, love the Lord your God with everything you have. Everything you have. That is the, the greatest commandment. But he said, but the second is like it. Okay? Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? Treat other people with their needs the way that you would want to be treated with your needs. And he said, on these two commandments, on these two commandments, he was only asked about one. But he said, on these two commandments, everything in Scripture hangs. It can all be summarized in these two ways. And you can see how it reflects the spiritual development and the community development. Helping people with their spiritual needs, their relationship with God, helping people with those, all those other needs that they have in their lives. And they go together, they work together. And that's integral mission. And everything that CBM does is based on this foundation. That as a ministry, as a mission, we need to make sure that both of those are working together. Even as we in our churches or in our organizations, we need to make sure that both wings are working. They're both working together in order to help us fulfill the mission that God has called us to. Alright, so uh, that's uh, just a brief glimpse into CBM's heartbeat. To help you understand that everything that CBM does, the partners that we work with, all operate with this understanding that we find in Scripture of integral mission. Alright, now uh, as we look at the ministry specifically in Rwanda, how do we see these two wings um, <coughs> being evidenced? Well, uh, I'm going to give you a few examples of both, okay? One example of a community development uh, initiative is the Guardians of Hope program, which reaches out to families who have been impacted by HIV and AIDS, helping them with some of their physical needs, helping them uh, also, though, with um, financial issues and helping them be able to support and raise up their family and care for their children, just like this woman on the right, um, trying to care for her, her young children. How does she do it when she doesn't have an opportunity for a job? It's kind of maybe pushed to the outside of their society, whatever it may be. So that would be one example of community development. Another is food security. 
Uh, the area, particularly in the southeastern part of the country of Rwanda, uh, struggles to have enough rain on, and water that's dependable. And so uh, there is a food security program going on there in partnership with the Canadian Food Grains Bank, trying to help train the subsistence farmers in that area of different methodologies, different practices that can allow them to get better use of their land, to be able to provide for their families, because that's their heart's desire. They don't want to be receiving, receiving, receiving. They want to be able to provide for their families. That's what they want. And so through food security programs, it helps give them, and these are all, these, these projects, by the way, are all run through the local Baptist churches. It's not CBM setting up a little office and saying, we're going to do this. No, no, no. Um, we are working alongside the AEBR, and, and through their local churches, they are running these programs. They are saying, what are the needs of the people in our community, and what can we do about it? So in some of these communities, uh, you can see the joy that comes with the harvest, right? And when your life depends on it, when your children's health <laughs> depends on it, with whether they go to school or not depends on it, okay? That's an important thing. Another example of community development would be the literacy program that is run through several of the AEBR churches. Uh, in Rwanda, there's still a portion of the population, particularly among the middle and older women, who are illiterate. They did not get the opportunity, for various reasons, to learn how to read and to go to school. And so there's a number of the AEBR churches that are running literacy programs. And it's like a six-month program for the basics of how to read, how to do numbers. And it's amazing the way that that impacts and transforms lives. The women who cannot read are often dismissed as irrelevant, as not having any valuable input in their communities, in their churches, even in their families. All right? And uh, they are susceptible to being cheated when they're trying to do business. Well, through the literacy program, it raises their dignity. It gives them a sense of, of self-worth, that they do have something to contribute. And even in the family, the statistics show that domestic violence actually goes down when the woman learns how to read. Uh, so it even impacts the marriages through this very simple task of uh, literacy. All right, so that, that would be another example of community development. Uh, what about spiritual development? Well, a couple of years ago, as we're working with our partner, the AEBR, uh, they did a, an, an evangelism initiative in a little village called Vunga. And it was a place that didn't have much of a church presence. And so they thought, you know, let's bring some of our people to that place for a couple of weeks, do some evangelism visiting people in their homes, talking to them in the marketplace. And after about two weeks, they were ready to launch this new little chapel. And Loralee and I were invited to go that day to be a part of this exciting opening up of a new church, of you know, a new part of Christ's body. And so after we had all kind of gathered together, we marched down through the banana plantation to the river, not exactly like the Maritimes, um, and uh, everybody kind of lined up on the bank, and then those who were new believers were taken down into the river and were baptized. That was my first time being at a river baptism. Uh, I know that some churches in the Maritimes still do baptisms in the river. My first time, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. The people on the bank were singing. Um, people were over on the other bank watching what was going on. It's very open, very vulnerable, right? Very much a ministry or a proclamation of God's followers. After the baptism, we made our way back to the center of the village where they had reserved an area to have a special service, a special open-air service. Uh, people had been invited. Uh, there were special choirs there from some of the other AEBR churches that had come as guests. I was asked to preach. You can see me back here. Is this, does this... Uh, there we go. Oh, all right. Sorry. I'm okay. There's a, there we are. Um, so I was back here preaching, trying my best to stay in the shade of the building. Because we hadn't anticipated we were going to be outside for this. 
And uh, so I was trying to protect myself. I still got a wicked sunburn, though, because of the white table. I got one of the worst burns of my life from the reflected sunshine off that white table. So careful of white tables if you're at the But uh, as we had this service, there was a core of about 20 people, including the children, who were going to be starting this new church. Some of them were brand new believers. Some of them were people who were followers of Christ, but there was no place for them to go to church. So they were excited that this new church was going to be started. And, uh, and they've done very well. They have grown nice and steadily as they invited more people to follow after Christ. They now have their own pastor, so they've grown that large that they can do that. So it was really exciting to be a part of it. Another example of spiritual development is some of the uh, church leadership training that I've been involved with, which is helping in terms of evangelism and is helping in terms of discipleship. And I'm not going to say anything more about that at the moment because I'm going to talk about that later. But uh, in the ministry in Rwanda, we, it's a privilege to be able to see both of these wings at work as the churches there are reaching out to help people with all of their needs, their spiritual needs, as well as the other needs. It's, it's been exciting. All right, so uh, that's, that's the foundation of what CBM is doing around the world, what CBM is doing in Rwanda. It needs to be the foundation for all of us and, and the call of God upon our lives and in our ministry. I just want to take a few minutes and uh, share with you about uh, some of the ministry that Laurelie and I have been focused on in our time in Rwanda, particularly the last couple of years. So I'll start with Laurelie. Laura Lee and Jan Mills, who's one of our colleagues, who has unfortunately just returned back to Canada. Uh, but uh, Laura Lee and Jan, for the last three years, have been working together on the short-term mission teams that come from Canada for a couple of weeks, and uh, they do all kinds of different things. They, they work together to make that a reality in Rwanda. Jan has been more of the upfront person. She is kind of uh, thinking in terms of the vision and the goals, the ideas. Uh, she hosts the team when they come, and, they, and she travels around with them. Lorelei has been more of the behind-the-scenes person with uh, organizing all the accommodations and food and transportation and budget and schedule and many, many aspects like that. Um, a lot of work goes into making sure that these things can happen in an effective uh, dynamic way. And so it begins with a lot of preparation and planning, meeting with the leadership there, designing projects that are going to meet the needs there, that are going to be part of the overall strategy of the ADVR, but are going to be meaningful for the ones that are coming from Canada as well. Uh, when the preparation has been done, uh, I got a wrong slide there. Uh, after the preparation has been done, the teams come, and they have lots of different types of activities that they are involved with. Some of them are the more traditional, building things, uh, leading activities, that sort of thing. Uh, but some of them now are kind of some fresh ideas and some things that people might not expect when they think of a short-term mission team. One example would be uh, a day in the life of, a day in the life of a Rwandan family. And uh, several times when teams have come, they've taken, uh, they, uh, 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 they divide them up into pairs, they give them a translator, and then they spend the better part of a day with the Rwandan family. And the instructions are, whatever the family is doing, you join in and do it, okay? So it might be making mud bricks, okay? It could be fetching water from uh, whatever, wherever they get their water. Could be helping them prepare a meal. Could be working out in the field. Whatever they're doing, you do it. And these have actually been with uh, families that are connected with the Guardians of Hope program, the one that's, connect, that's to do with AIDS and HIV. And families which are often looked down upon or not very highly regarded. And it's amazing how having the, those couple of people spend the day with them, elevates that family in the eyes of their whole community for a long time. That these are not nobodies, these are people that matter. Okay, these are people that matter. And for the Canadians who go, it's just transformative for them to 
have that experience, to kind of see life for a brief moment through the eyes of these brothers and sisters. So uh, that would be an example of some of the short-term teams. Another one would be the She Matters team. Uh, twice there has been a group of women from across Canada who have gone over to Rwanda. The first time they spent time with a group of 10 women from Congo. They went up near the border with Congo. Second time they came, which was last year, they had uh, 10 women from Congo and 10 women from Rwanda and then the, the women from Canada. And it wasn't a project in which they came and built or did or led. It was a group, a ministry of presence that they spent the time with these women, all of whom had, been, had faced great difficulties, trauma, abuse, terrible situations, some of them. And it was a time for them to share their stories with one another, to laugh together, to cry together, to do activities together, to just kind of build up and show that, that, they, that you care. It might be giving the women from Congo a manicure. They've never had that happen before. Or the, the Rwandan women, teaching them how to do the, the head wrap or teach them how to weave a basket or do the, the Rwandan dance. I won't do that too much, so I'll, I'll scare you. Uh, but uh, it was a ministry of presence. Just by spending that time together, it showed those women that they matter. They matter to God. They matter to us. And a uh, very powerful ministry and a really interesting model. Another, one more example would be a professional skills model. A professional skills STM, in which uh, some people from Canada, so there's a husband and wife and their adult son, okay, these three right here, and they each one have skills here in Canada. One of them is an electrical engineer, one is an expert at installing servers, and one is an expert at training in financial computer systems. Those don't sound very missionary-like. But it happens that the AEBR, that they could really use some help in those areas at their head office. And so these three came and spent some time and used their skills. They, they were doing what they always do here in Canada. Literally, on a day-to-day -day basis, that's the stuff that they do here. But they said it was different there. It was different there. The way that it was touching people's lives, the sense of mission that they were doing something that really mattered, that was helping their brothers and sisters in Rwanda, that God was using that skill in a way which they'd never seen before. And so it was really quite rewarding for them to be able to um, use those abilities that God had given them in that way. Um, once the team is coming to a close, their work and their ministry is coming to a close, they have a time of debriefing with Laura Lee and Jan, thinking about, you know, what has God been teaching you? What has, what, what has been shaping, how have you been being shaped during this time that you've had here? What is God wanting you to do for your next step? To help people process uh, all that they have experienced while they're there. And then once they're gone, there's the wrapping up. The job is still not done. Once the team leaves, uh, there's things like, you know, balancing your receipts and your cash on hand, you know, those kind of things, which are not normally very much fun. They're smiling in the picture, so they must be balancing on this particular day. Uh, it was a good day, but it's not always smile like in a test. It's not easy, but uh, those are all the elements that go in to make sure that when that team comes, it is a beneficial experience for the Rwandans and for the Canadians, one that can uh, transform lives for years to come. My area of focus, as I said, is in church leadership development. I spent a great deal of my time with Pastor Jafet. He is the head of the Department of Evangelism and Church Life with the AEVR, with our partner there. And so we do a lot of things together. Uh, in church leadership development, some of my activity is in a formal setting at the seminary that is connected with the AEVR. I teach... Uh, Classes such as homiletics, which is my personal passion. Also, introduction to Christian education and some exposition of the Old Testament, those kind of courses. I teach part-time, probably one course per trimester, so two or three times a year I would be teaching at the seminary. This would be at a bachelor level, okay, an undergrad level. 
But I also do a lot of teaching in, uh, outside the city. And the AEBR also has six regional Bible schools. These are, these are for the pastors who have not had the opportunity to study much or even any theological education. That they have had a heart for God, a heart for God's people. They felt that God was wanting them to shepherd that congregation, but they have not had opportunity to go away or to, to study theology and to learn pastoral skills. And it is difficult for them to be leaving their families for long periods of time to do so. So the regional Bible schools are designed, they, they take place in those regions where they are, and the pastors will come for like three days, like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and they'll study intensively for those three days and basically get one course um, during that time, uh, and then they go back home again and it makes it doable for them, and, and they just appreciate it so much. They are so grateful for the opportunity to learn anything. It's like they're sponges. Anything that uh, you can teach them and help them with, practical tools you give them, they just are so happy to do that. So uh, that's that's another element of the, the of the Christian leadership development. Uh, Jeffet and I have also been involved in a three-year initiative in which we are bringing training about Sunday school and cell group ministry uh, to the pastors and the church leaders of every church in AEBR. We go into a particular area, a central area in that region, and then the pastors and the <coughs> church leaders would come to where we are for two days. And we do one day of training about cell groups, one day of training about Sunday school, and then they then they go home. And then about five months later or six months later, we go back again as a follow-up in order to give them a little bit more teaching, in order to help them problem-solve. Because, you know, as they've started these ministries, there's all kinds of challenges that come up, things that you didn't see. And so we try to help them problem-solve so that their ministries can keep on going. But they also know we're going to be asking them the question, what have you been doing with what you learned? Have you used it? You know, what is happening in Sunday school? Do you have Sunday school? How many children are coming? How many teachers have you trained? What about cell groups? How many cell groups are operating now in your church? Uh, what kind of challenges are you having? How, how many men, how many women are coming? How is it going? They knew we were going to be coming back, and they did not want to say, we haven't done anything, because they knew they'd be in big trouble if they did that. <laughs> so uh, so that by us coming back, it helps build accountability, and it helps get them into the, into the flow of using those programs. And uh, it's been tremendous to hear what God has been doing through them. So that is what is going on here, is uh, I'm teaching at one of these seminars. Um, it's, it's just exciting. Again, just they, they just are soaking up whatever it is that you can, that you are offering them, the tools that you give them, the teaching that you offer them. And they're digging into God's Word. They're trying to find out, you know, why is this important? What does a good cell group leader or a Sunday school teacher look like? Those kind of things. I, I love this picture that I've included. Uh, this lady in the middle, uh, she's wearing a Tim Hortons Roll Up the Rim t-shirt. <laughs> right there in a little village in, in Rwanda. Tim has its advertising going strong. Uh, at the end of the training, the, uh, the teachers the, or the uh, pastors and the church leaders, they receive a one-year <coughs> curriculum for uh, Sunday school and the three different age levels and a one-year curriculum for the subgroup ministry that the AEBR have developed for them. So it's in Kingdom, Rwanda. They can photocopy it and use it. And it's quite exciting for them to do so. Um, I just want to tell you one story as I finish off. And uh, I mentioned that after five or six months, we go back for a follow-up. And we were able to hear all kinds of amazing stories of what was happening through these ministries in just five or six months. 
I'm starting from zero and then building from there in such a short time, it was tremendous to hear what God was doing through those ministries. And so uh, people would be standing up and sharing about what was happening in their region or what was happening at their churches. Uh, and uh, I just want to share one story. And I'll close with this because it demonstrates that integral mission that we talked about at the beginning. There was in one particular group, there was a woman who got very sick. She was so sick that she actually went in the hospital, which you know is very sick in Rwanda because you have to pay to go to the hospital. And so she was in the hospital, very sick. She was a member of the cell group, and the cell group decided, you know, we need to go see her. So they went in and they visited her in the hospital. They encouraged her, they prayed with her, they brought her food, because the hospitals don't provide the food, your family needs to do that. So they brought her food, they were trying to support her as she was there, sick, in the hospital. But that wasn't enough. The group said, we need to do more, and that was the particular time of the year when people were preparing their fields for seed. And here's this woman in the hospital. So this cell group said, it is only logical. <laughs> it is only the right thing to do if we go to her house and get her field ready. And so even though they each had their own fields to get ready, they all met and went to this woman's field and worked out in that field to get it ready for the seeds. So that when the woman was well enough to come home, it would be ready for the seeds to go in. The woman's husband was not a believer. And uh, he was there in the house watching this going on. Strange thing going on. Other people coming and working in my field, getting it ready. Without being asked, without being paid, what is going on? And he started talking with them, finding out what was going on. And in the end, he started going to church and became a follower of Jesus Christ because of what happened. Uh, they didn't come knocking at his door and opening up their Bibles and talking to him that way. They simply lived out the love that Christ tells us to do. And as they did that, God blended together the spiritual needs that this man had and the physical needs that the woman had. And lo and behold, new children are born right into God's family and the kingdom continues to grow. And that's the way God intends it. The blending together, the working together of the spiritual development, the community development, helping people with their needs because we love them. We don't help them with their needs in order to save them. No. We help them with their physical needs. We help them with their spiritual needs. We help them with their intellectual needs, whatever, because of love. We love them, and that's what Christ did when he was on the earth, and that's what Christ wants us to do. And when that happens, God's kingdom advances. So, just share that with you, some of our experiences from Rwanda, as well as maybe a challenge for us all in our ministry. And uh, thank you for having us here today. Uh, we have a table over to the side here. It's got several things on it that are free, like prayer cards or uh, uh, the little information sheet if you'd like to visit our blog. It's got our address on it. It does have money out there. That's not free. That's for display only. Okay. Uh, but uh, feel free to come by and talk to us if you have questions or would just like to chat. So, thank you so much. Good luck.